Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. On this episode of The Clappers, kidnapped Robert Louis Stevenson. And because we're really keeping on top of what's going on just out, fresh releases, David Copperfield. There you go. Bad Education, a film you can see with great resonance for us here in Australia. And sticking with the late 19th century literary adaptations. Of course. <laughs> We're also talking <laughs> War of the World. Last time we spoke, we were enjoying some of the new freedoms. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like a long time ago? It does, doesn't now, it? Now we're know. back in Starlog 17. Oh, I know. Well, that's the film with William Holden and Peter Graves, yes. I believe. Yes. Good film. I enjoyed that film. I was very surprised when Peter Graves starts shouting in German while getting mown down by the uh, prison guards. Very surprising. If you haven't seen the film, I've just ruined it for you. <laughs> As is your want. Oh, I love ruining a film. I really do. Especially but, a film yeah, that you should have already alert, seen. Spoiler alert, that's only been, what, 60 years? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm think i going to excise that word from my, that phrase from my vocabulary. It's not Wait, spent a lot of time. Alert. Yes, it's not spent a lot of time in my vocabulary anyway, spoiler alert. Look, I think uh, there is a statute of limitations. I'm just not quite sure where you said it, but I reckon 60 no. years is probably yeah. at the limit. Yeah, I reckon. 67. I 67 years, as a matter of yeah. fact. 1953. Yeah, I, I was not sure when it was made. When Can you tell me when was it made? 1953, yeah. Great, yeah. great. 53. Anyway. All right, so. Yeah. Um, yes, it, 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 we are no longer. Uh, we are no longer free. We are now. To Rome. I did go for a long walk the other day, and um, <laughs> I'm sure you did. It was it was it was good. It was good. Um, yeah, I hate long walks. Well, the thing the thing is, right? And, mm. and we may have talked about this before, but I, I find mm. that the, the dividing line between work and not work has oh. just about been obliterated. And yeah, you, I, I find I can I can go days, and in some cases, many many days mm. without basically leaving leaving my office space or the couch where I do a lot of you know watching stuff yep. much of it work related mm. and and I'm suddenly like oh, I've been out of the house and it's been it's been three days four days five days and I'm going yep. a little bit mad so mm. yeah mm. so I think every now and again I, I, I went walking walking in the rain and it was really <laughs> getting good better, better. <laughs> it was good I loved it. Are you going to read some of your poems in this, this episode of The Clappers? We're going to hear some of the musings uh, of Carl if you don't behave, mind. If you don't behave, I may. I hope you do. I would love to hear your uh, poetical iambic response to lockdown. Uh, oh, dear. It's a pent-up pent up amateur. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the metre in which I'm writing. Um, what about you? Have you been well, oh, out it's and been, about? Yes and no. I was going to go up to Sydney for a week. But we've been banned from Sydney. I don't know if you knew that we were banned from Sydney. We've been banned and, from and everywhere. So didn't go, didn't go to Sydney, and then we were still not banned from everywhere. So booked a couple of nights uh, in uh, uh, an Airbnb not far from here, so about an hour and a half from here. Mm. And like the very day that we were set to go, uh, the um, announcement came that we all had to be in our beds by midnight. So you that didn't night. get to go. 
So we didn't go. No, we could have snuck there. I mean, we could have gone because there wouldn't have been anyone there. You know, it was in the middle of the bush. So, mm. you know, we could have snuck there quite effectively, I think, and, and, and none the wiser, but just didn't feel it was in the, the spirit of doing the right thing, even mm. though we could have found... Though, look, there's been a lot of um, tricky information, like oh, you go to one website and we would have been right to go, yeah. go to another, and no, you must not go to your holiday house or a holiday. But if you're on holiday, you can stay on holiday. You don't have to... It was yeah, a little bit on the confusing side. Yeah, well, we were, we so, were actually away when yeah. the edict came. We were, you know, we had a, a, like three nights away in a rented house down in um, on the peninsula, in Mondrian mm. Peninsula. And, uh, and, and when, you know, when the order came, it was kind of like, oh, God. Do we have to stay here for the rest of our lives? At oh no! Wouldn't that be terrible? Several hundred dollars a night. <laughs> I, like, I think we've got about a week, and then we're broke. <laughs> so no, we we uh, we managed we managed to sort of eke out our last our last day, and then come home. And it was it was nice to have actually managed to like be somewhere else, somewhere that wasn't. Oh, my house well, that was the thing we've days, been in know? our house and I know this is the first world first world problem problems of yeah, I problems I yeah, mean yeah. it's it's nothing to complain about at all given what's happened in the Flemington and Kensington Towers right. where what is supposedly a health issue becomes a police issue and I mean that was as, as shocking and surprising as it was <laughs> not surprising and inevitable you know using weaponizing the police and using them to force people who have committed no crimes to, you know, just was absolutely uh infuriating and uh, a very sorry example of how not to manage a health crisis you know it's not one of those apocalyptic films with Clive Owen and Michael Caine you know it's it's still we are still in a reasonably civilized society here uh did you have a test for COVID-19 I've had one yeah 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 I had one in uh, May I think it was yeah Okay. Why? And it holds good for a few months, does it? You have the no, test and no, no. you're not I mean, going to get I, it. For... You know, it tells you. Um, I mean, it's like it's like a survey. It gives you it gives you um, it gives you a, like a finding at that point in time. Mm. I mean, I could have walked yeah. out of uh, the the doctor's surgery and well, two days later, or two, I think it was two days later, I got my my result. I was negative. I you know, by the time I got that result, I could well have been you know infected and. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, no, it doesn't. It doesn't last. It doesn't have any no. uh, lasting. I was I was being glib when I said oh, that. You know? In case okay. you didn't oh, notice, it's okay. hard to see my face facial expression <laughs> doing it this way. We could um, do this over FaceTime or something. Pe- people you know? have used that as an excuse. I don't think they should. I have also. Uh, it took me about I'm going to say seven goes to get the COVID nineteen test. Oh, it yeah. was not. It was not easy. I hope that doesn't mean you had the uh, the thing you shoved up your nose seven times before no, they, no, got, no. A, they got a sample because that would have been unpleasant. We all went together yeah. and we got to, to the the, sh- the shopping centre nearest us that was doing it. Uh, lined up in the car queue, got to the point where you turn off to go into the car park and testing closed for today. Oh, it was about four thirty. Okay, come back the next day, get into an even longer queue get directed past the point where you go in to take your test, up and around on this massive maze. And I'm thinking, this is very odd. And it was in the morning, and a woman on the other side of the road yelled out to us, don't, don't bother, they're, they're turning everybody away. And I thought, hey, seriously? Uh, and uh, they, they were. At, at, in the morning, they had a, a bank of about a 1,000 cars doing these loops and circuits all around that they were just keeping in a holding pattern and not letting anybody in. It was it was amazing. And the day before, I'd rung St. Vincent's. They said, yep, yeah, come down. Nobody waiting, but they're not doing children. I said, oh, that's no good. 
And they said, well, well, uh, the Alfred is. You have to make an appointment. Call the Alfred. No one's answering the phone. Like, COVID-19 is like a, the most important health issue in the state. There's no one answering the phone at the Alfred. Yeah. And I'm on hold well, for half an you, hour. you possibly know why now. Yeah, 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 I do. And uh, they said they'd call back. They didn't. I rang a few times. No luck. And so the next day, I'm driving down Hull Street, and I see a tent with a COVID sign. So pull up, line up. Great. Get to the end of the line. Sorry, we're closed for lunch now. <laughs> really? 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 It's 12.30. <laughs> we're closed for lunch now. Oh, that's great. My GP isn't doing it. Um, so every oh attempt. Oh, my God. Come back later that day. I was sick. I think I mentioned that to you last week. I was sick and had already... My patience was non-existent, mm. but standing in the cold when you have a cold and you think I'm being tested for something, you know, it seemed absurd. Finally, the second time round, we get there, and I'm about we're about to cross the threshold from footpath road to the actual building. So if they do close the gate, we're on the the right side of the gate, right? Mm. And the security guard says, "I'm just going to let all these people in front of you." And I said, "You are not serious. It's a family of about eight people." Uh, no, and no, they weren't Roman Catholics. Um, you can't be serious. Oh, yeah, they made appointments. But you said you're not making appointments. You said don't make an appointment. We just turn up. What do you mean? And I kind of lost it a little bit, I have yeah. to say. Okay. And eventually, after an hour and a half of standing in the cold, and I'm very delicate, as you know, we did finally get the test. But did they tell us the result as they said they would the next day? Of course they didn't. Did they tell us the day after that? Of course they did. But fortunately, I was able to ring and I found out and we were all negative. But it was a, a very difficult process. And I think a lot of people would have given up after the second or third time. Yeah. And said, I'm not going to do it, you know, bugger you. And I think it's a shame that a, a serious hospital like the Austin hasn't got somebody to answer the phone or hasn't got a system in place to uh, test effectively or to uh, take messages or record and call back or it was uh, it was like trying to get onto Centrelink frankly something I fortunately don't have to do but I have heard is just about an exercise in futility have you been sp spending your time leisure wise Andrew I have I've watched a few films I've, I've, I've read uh, books at the London Review of Books you know I subscribe to so I'm very very fortunate in being kept up to date with everything that's happening in the 19th century <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're the first to know. <laughs> the first to know. These locomotives, I don't know if you've heard of them. Was, was They're like an chap, iron horse. Chap Dickens something. Dickens. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I read a book by Robert Louis Stevenson called oh. Kidnapped. Have you heard of that book? Uh, I, I don't think I've ever read Kidnapped, but I do, I do remember reading with such great pleasure Treasure Island to mm. the kids. Mm. And it mm -hmm. is such a, it's a treasure trove of, of possibilities in terms of accents. Like, oh, lots oh, of voices. Well, now, that's Robert Newton. He is the man credited for giving <laughs> the pirate voice, the pirate voice uh, from the Disney Treasure Island in the 50s. Mm. Uh, the Cornish accent, really, is what it is. Right. Uh, a lot of the, the great seamen came from that smuggling part of the Western country. Mm. Uh, Kidnapped is a, a Scottish novel, mm. as you would probably know. Robert Louis Stevenson was considered at the time to be the best writer in English by his contemporaries, Oscar Wilde, Henry James, and so forth. Thought he was the absolute epitome of getting the right word in the right place at the right time. And 
there's so much joy in this in this novel not the least of it the immense glossary of words that you have never heard or spoken or understood in your life in um, Gaelic or Scots English it's full of the strangest words and fortunately there's my edition comes with a glossary at the back and also a gazetteer because it's a travel novel as well it starts in the west of Scotland and goes into the islands to the west and then back across the highlands it's a story of a kidnapping in fact I think kidnap's probably the wrong term it should be called uh, flights from the Camerons or something like that rather than kidnap because there is a kidnapping the main character David Balfour is kidnapped and but he escapes with the help of a, a, a dashing fellow called Alan Breck Stewart who as you would guess is on the side of the Stuarts this is around the time of uh, post Culloden and Bonnie Prince Charlie is in France and the Camerons uh, with the, the siding with the English and the Stuarts are still holding out hope for the king across the water to return. So it's against that backdrop, but it's full of adventure and excitement and great writing, if you like great writing. I mean, Robert Louis Stevenson would even counsel other authors on how they should write and words to avoid. He sent a, a letter to No Ed. wonder you like him. He sounds a lot like uh, you. He sounds like me, doesn't he? Well, he's like <laughs> me in many ways. I'll tell you another way privately and another way publicly that he's like me. Uh, he sent a letter to Edmund Goss, who wrote a great book called Father and Son, about his father, who humiliated himself by claiming to have found geological evidence that the Earth was only 2,000 years old. He faked up geologic evidence to prove that the Earth's age accorded with that of the Bible. Before that, he was a a great naturalist and sea biologist, uh, Philip Goss. Edmund wrote the book Father and Son about that, which Peter Carey used as source material for Oscar and Lucinda, the first part Mm. of Oscar and Lucinda. Now, he told Edmund Goss, you should never use the word noticeable. Never let me see you write the word. It is notable. Noticeable, not a word. And I love people who say things like that, who say that's not a word. Except it's wrong. Noticeable is a word. It's just a very different word to notable. It means something entirely different. Of course, speaking to a man... As who, you walk who, down the street wearing your yes. feathered hat, mm. you, yeah. your ostrich yep. feathers, yep. you're very yep. noticeable. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're, um. You look notably foolish, but... <laughs> See, this is why you're the right man to talk to about this. Um, Equally your, pedantic, you Your pedantry <laughs> does not eclipse mine, but it, 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 it reaches a zenith very close to, to my <laughs> innocent. <laughs> so it's a great book. It's full of fun and adventure and excitement. And what, what it's also really good for is it conveys suffering, hunger, cold, heat, wet, like real, like we talked about Wake and Fright, the, the film, how mm. you get that awful sense of, of oppression, of, of uh, uh, meteorological oppression from, from that film. It's the same in this book. Something that you would, I'm sure, uh, what's the word, uh, appreciate is the fact that for pretty much the entire book, poor Davy Balfour eats nothing but some kind of oatmeal gruel paste. There's, there's barely any food in, in the book at all. He's constantly hungry. And when he is given anything to eat, it's this awful oatmeal I mean, it's probably a great delicacy in Scotland, but to the Australian <laughs> palate, it, the, the, the one relief is when 
a, a, a character, a, a leader of a clan is in hiding and he's cooking, um, so, and I forget the Scottish word for it, it's a lovely word, but it's basically rissoles. He's cooking rissoles on the pan mm. and it's the only time anything that resembles any food that you or I would recognise appears in the book. But alas, Davy is once again suffering from some terrible fever and sweating and sick and uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't get to enjoy it. Um, People will think it's a kid's book, and it did appear in a, a boy's adventure or a mm. magazine called Young Folks is when it first appeared, but it's it's not a kid's book at all. Uh, it's full of violence and depredation and fear and suffering, and and even more surprising, the way it, it does not end the way you expect it to. Davy Balfour is... In, in uh, this instance, I'm going to actually make the plea for mm. spoiler alert. I'm not going to say how it ends. I'm not going to say how it ends. But when you get to the I know, end... I know we've uh, had about 160 years in this We one. have had a long time. A person might expect it to end a little differently. It doesn't end in a completely unsatisfactory way at all, but it's a, it's not exactly what you expect. I heartily recommend it to the person sick in bed. Robert Louis Stevenson was a very sick man all his life. He was very... His childhood was spent, not unlike Patrick O'Brien, in bed with sickness a lot. And he was, you know forced to, to uh, use his own resources and he wrote books as a little boy you know um, and was ill and was would move place to place trying to find somewhere with a, the climate that would suit the uh, he's very poor and delicate lungs uh, he died um, I think he was 44 opening a bottle of wine uh, the cerebral hemorrhage is what was presumed to have killed him um, great friends with Henry James so he didn't even get to drink the wine didn't get to drink oh, that, is that tragic. wine. That is that tragic. Wine. He lived at a time when people thought tobacco smoke was was very healthy mm. for poor lungs. Help clear the lungs. Help yes. clear the lungs. Yes. Yeah. So, now I want to I want to uh, yes. jump in here and, and do, talk do, do, about do, 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 do. A, uh, a a story of similar vintage, mm. the personal history of David Copperfield, Armando oh. Iannucci's new film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yep, which of I, course, I, I, sadly, people in yeah. Melbourne mm. cannot at the moment see. Because oh. it was getting a cinema release, yeah, and of course how, how, how did it's you in the it? cinemas, but but we're not. So, um, but people in the rest of Australia can see it. My boyhood days seem now like a scarcely believable fiction. London is full of wonders and wickedness, and it's ours, David, to go wherever we choose. Well, I'm not down there. Creditors make that road impossible. Two tailors and a most unreasonable muffin man. Copperfield! Your mama is ill. How old is she? Very ill. Very ill. Very ill. Very ill. Dangerously ill. She's dead. We're very sorry. It's an adaptation of Charles Dickens' novel, obviously, and it is... It, Armando is a guy who made In the Thick of It... Uh, uh, sorry, um, yeah, The Thick of It, In the Loop, um, Avenue 5, the space thing that's on, on TV at the moment, uh, The Death of Stalin. So... If you're, if you're familiar with the, with his work, you'll know that language is such a vital part of mm. of his his interest, and he's funny, right? He's very funny. Yeah. So this is this is um, probably Dickens's most personal um, novel in some ways. I mean, I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of a lot in this that is drawn from his own life story. You know, the sort of the experience of working in a boot blacking factory of childhood poverty and and you know deprivation and so on. Um, so Dev Patel plays uh, plays David Copperfield as uh, certainly as an adult in this, um, and 
the, the, you know, obviously Dev Patel is of Indian parentage, and so you've got a brown-skinned David Copperfield, which is remarkable and not remarkable. It becomes very mm. quickly uh, not a thing. You know, it's it, yeah. it's it's the most. I think it's the boldest piece of sort of colorblind casting I've seen. You'll have parents of a character who are of different ethnicities of of different ethnicities that is not reflected in the younger character, and you kind of go, well whatever <laughs> you know all bets are off you're not um I, d- I did comment to my my wife that that that's like you know that's the best example of colorblind casting i've ever seen she said well it's not it's not 100 colorblind and i said what do you mean she said well if you're going to do completely colorblind then the young version of the character and the older version wouldn't need to look the same at all they could be different mm. <laughs> it's just like mm. oh yes but that might well, be really, really confusing for people. They could all be in tracksuits and not have to worry about that costume. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Anyway, it's it's um, I found it really, really enjoyable. It rattles along at such a pace. It's mm. just, um, you know, it's it's a fairly riotous story in which David is always struggling to get a toehold in the world. Everything is falling apart around him. Um, the, you know the the famous character Uriah Heep, played by Ben Whishaw in this, who is the sort of starts off as this sort of snivelling servant at a, at a at a boys' college when we first meet him at the, at the boarding school to which David is sent. In one of the brief moments where he seems to have found, you know, a little bit of sucker in the world, and mm. then um, and Uriah Heep ends up sort of worming his way into um, a, a firm of uh, accountant lawyers and, and uh, taking over and sort of embezzling his way to success. It's just, it, it's a really, really interesting story because that, that, the Uriah Heap story, is actually in some ways you can go, he's a villain of the piece, but actually it's about class. This story is about a guy who is destined to be denied opportunity in his life doing you know by by any means necessary you're talking about uriah i'm talking about uriah yeah 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 yeah. and it's a really really interesting characterization in this film i mean he's kind of he's appalling but he's also he's also a character that you can kind of empathize with which is i mean it's a long time since i've read the book and i can't really recall if that's how i felt i think you take it as satire with um satire and humanist comedy with an under mm. an under sort of current i think of of um you know social criticism or social analysis i suppose you know well, i never knew how funny charles dickens was mm. until i saw simon callow doing that thing i think you might did you see that too or not um in at the Athenaeum? no i've never seen it no no yeah he's um, one man um he's dickens one man yeah. dickens sings really good but it was it was really funny, uh, and I thought, well, that's good. He's being Dickens and he's making it funny because he's that kind of actor, you know. But then I heard him reading from Pickwick Papers, yeah. and it was hilarious. I haven't laughed like that at anything that I've read in Dickens. And, I'm, I mean, all credit to Simon Callow. He's fun and, and, and an excellent actor. But it, <laughs> Dickens has to <laughs> accept a lot of the plaudits as well for being... And I just didn't... Well, I was young when I read a lot of yeah. that and it just seemed frightful and, and terrifying and mean and nasty. It didn't seem funny to me at all. But as a, as a man <laughs> who has grown into somewhat of a misanthropist himself um, or misanthrope, uh, I, I laugh now when I read. Yeah. Well, th- this this is definitely it's got its dark elements. Like mm. um, 
the young David's uh, mother remarries a, a fellow called Murdstone. Oh, the names are great. <laughs> aren't the they? names are fantastic. Oh. Yeah, and, Edwin uh, Drood. And, and um, different book. Gwendolyn Christie from from Game of Thrones turns up as the sister of Murdstone, <laughs> and I mean it's like a fantastic cast. It's it's yeah. uh, Benedict Wong is is the guy who plays the um, the the accountant, Mister Wickfield. Ben Wishaw, as I say, is Uriah Heep. Um, Tilda Swinton is in there as this sort of wealthy aunt, but completely dotty Betsy Trotwood, who has this permanent house guest slash maybe lover, played by Hugh Laurie. Um, oh, it's, great. Hugh Laurie and Tilda Swinton yeah, together at last. Uh, together at last, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's just a really, really great cast. Well, he was in Veep briefly, Hugh Laurie. Was he his Veep? character, his character okay. in Veep is hilarious. So I guess they have a, a friendship from yep. that. He and he and Uchi. And and well, you know, speaking of you know people who've worked together or in the past, Peter Capaldi, um, yeah. is is in this as as Mr. Micawber, who was oh, at right. one point um, David's um, sort of. I guess you'd call him a benefactor, except that he's always trying to outrun the bailiffs. He's completely <laughs> destitute at every moment. Um, and I never picture him with the physique of Peter. Capaldi. Well, he, that's interesting. I don't know so much about the about the physique, but the the accent is just it's hilarious because it's well, Capaldi is of course Scottish, but yes. Macorber is. I think we're most we're probably supposed to peg him somewhere around the east end of London, but he's always he's always trying to do a slightly posher accent, and it's so yeah, it's slipping yeah, and yeah. sliding all yeah. over the place, <laughs> which I think is deliberate. I'm, yeah. I'm fairly certain it's deliberate. So it kind of sort of social aspiration thing going on. Mm. It's anyway, it's it's a I'm lot so of fun. I'm so jealous. I would love it, to see this. Yeah, I would love to see it's this. Good. Uh, it's everything really good. about it sounds great. I watched a film. Should I tell you what it was called? You'd like this film, Go on. I think. It's got Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Hugh Jackman is somebody I think I've avoided seeing in anything and everything for as long as he's been Hugh Jackman except something on Fox where he, he was doing a lifestyle program I saw him in a television studio once but otherwise I've avoided Hugh Jackman all his career but not anymore what was Do you know it what it is no bad education oh right right which I haven't seen but okay yeah is it good oh uh, look it depends on the kind of fella you are Carl <laughs> if you if you're the kind of fella right fella or was, felon let's say fella if you're the kind of fella that was Absolutely couldn't take your eyes away from Craig Thompson and the Visa cards uh, and then watching Kathy Jackson lay into him like he was the... Okay, um, think a little refresher course here, Andrew, okay, I think might be sure. in order. Go on. Health Services Union. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Health Services Union. Craig Thompson was uh, accused and eventually convicted. And Craig Thompson of, was? Was a... Uh, he was a member... He was a member of Parliament, but mm. before he was a member of Parliament, he had... Uh, worked for the health services union hmm. and he had uh, used the credit card for forms of entertainment that were not generally sanctioned for use for somebody in his position. Did the word brothels enter into this perchance? Uh, brothels, uh, cigarettes from the 7-Eleven. Um, I'm just having to go back through the memory banks here. Uh, booze as well. It was a but pretty yes, tawdry yes, saga. Pros prostitutes. Um, yep. But what was, what was most delicious, of course, is how uh, with fiery uh, dudgeon Kathy uh, laid into him. And, of course... It Kathy Jackson out, being Kathy the, Jackson being the head of the yeah. uh, wh wh whatever that position Health was Services called. Union. However, it was of course discovered and revealed, and that at least seventy um, 
uh, counts of fraud she committed herself from uh, paying her then husband $50,000 for nothing that anybody can see that was apparently sanctioned, but there's no proof of that, to shopping sprees, uh, um, House renovations. home renovation. So basically, uh, only now I think of the charges actually been, it's been going on for a very long time, you know, and there is, uh, if people are, in, if people are interested in corruption, if people are interested in people with clean fingers or apparently clean fingers, denouncing those with dirtier ones, then turning out to not have such clean fingers themselves. People are interested in the interesting way that, that it almost seems like the system can be gamed. Um, Kathy Jackson uh, was applied for legal aid, for instance, and, and, and was refused because of the, the wealth between she and her partner, who was a vice president at the Fair Work Commission, whose name is, I think, Michael Lawler. Uh, yes, Michael Lawler, uh, who took nine months of sick leave. He's a barrister, worked uh, for the Abbott government briefly. Um, a barrister took nine months of sick leave to represent her. Um, it's a tawdry and amazing story. Now, this is all the real-life stuff, right? Now, this film, Bad Education, is an American film where virtually that happens, but transfer it to the education system. Right. Right. Uh, Alison Janney, who we all know and love, plays the assistant superintendent set uh, based in one school. Mm -hmm. And uh, the school uh, uh, reporter on the school newspaper is uh, researching into something that's happening there, like uh, some construction. And she starts to find strange things in the financing to do with the construction of this thing happening at the school. And she just keeps digging and digging and digging and finds that, that the uh, Alison Janney character, Pam Glucken, uh, has been embezzling. And so uh, Hugh Grant's character, Frank, Frank Tassoni or Tassone, throws her under the bus and go, okay, okay. but no, it gets even deeper and worse <laughs> than that. And it's delicious. It is just delicious. It's, it's not, I don't think anybody wrote, this is actually a true, this ha actually happened in real life. So it's got nothing to do with the health services union here in Australia. But I think the you, average You know, Australian... you could have drawn the parallel with the, the, a similar ripoff that went on in, in the public education system in, in Victoria as well. So, you know, well, I there was have been going similar to, scandals. I was, I was let's, going let's to mention... Let's not go there because I don't briefly, know what I'm, the status I'm, of the charges... No, no, no. I was going to mention the uh, uh, nepotism that's come up yeah. in uh, the, the state schools. Yeah. And, and yeah, we, we're short of time. I'm not going to deal with that. Uh, but it's very, that's also very interesting. <laughs> Thank you, I, was, I, was, I was delighted when I read about that, uh, uh, in that, that way that, that misanthropes are delighted when they find out things like that. So anyway, this is a, a very enjoyable film. The actings uh, of Hugh Jackman and Alison Janney are, are superlative. It's a great story. Uh, and he's, he's a very charismatic fellow too. Everyone loves him. He's the guy that's made everything great in the Long Island school districts, you know, typically, you know, he's just like Kathy Jackson was heralded as a, as a, as a hero and a whistleblower by Tony Abbott. And guess what happened? It's just delightful and delicious. How can Watched you see it? HBO. Right. So I so can't see it anymore. So it's on I can't see it. It's on Foxtel. Is that what you're telling me? Yep. yep. You, okay. you people, the Foxtel Now yeah. people, the yeah. Foxtel people, you guys can see that if right. you like. And then I'll, I'll post a, a, a little thing on Kathy Jackson and Craig Thompson and Michael Lawler, uh, Four Corners thing that you can, which I haven't watched ever since it came out. It'll be a nice opportunity to watch it again on the Clappers Facebook page. Watch that first. Get a taste of reality and then go into the, uh, the fiction of bad education. Hey, did we talk about the beach before? 
to the beach. Yeah, Warwick Thornton. No. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, did we. Yeah, yeah, we did. We okay. really did. Like, yeah. I mean, really, I, I edited that one, so we okay. really right. went into that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, oh, why don't you talk about something and then we'll finish it up? Okay. All right. Um, Andrew. Yes. A, cu- a couple of series that are on that are on TV yep. uh, that I've written about recently, and that they're both sort of perfect end times things. War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Oh, mate. I watched one episode of that. Which one though? Tell me the which one you watched. Hey? First episode. No, which <laughs> which one? No, the, my point being, my point being, right? I, I was I was thinking, oh, I'll review this. I'll review this sort of uh, this Gabriel Byrne War of the Worlds thing that's on SBS, right? And so I started. I, I watched. Uh, I watched a couple of episodes and thought, yeah, interesting. And then I was doing a little bit of research and I went, ah, BBC did a version of War of the Worlds just last year and and mm. lo and behold it's on foxtel right it's still there mm. and yeah. it's a it, it was i think it was done as a three-parter in, in the uk but um foxtel has got it as a two-parter hilariously right mm. hilariously episode one has got um the Im- image of eleanor tomlinson i think who uh you know was in pole dark she's the, she plays the lead in in um this which lead in pole dark my friend there are two she, ladies in Paul Duck's life, as you well know. She plays the lead in War of the Worlds. Ah, um, she's okay. the the feisty red-haired girl. Who, who, I love her. Uh, the maid. The, the maid, as she's called. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Demelza. Demelza, that's her name. Demelza. Right. Well, well remembered, sir. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want oh, to be, be out here in the farm on my own when these, these Martians are coming. Oh, They're coming. Anyway, she's she got badly treated by oh, Ross Poldark. So she's really broke she's my heart. <laughs> she's she's called Amy in this, and she's um, she basically plays the role of the narrator from the novel. It's set in 1906 uh, or thereabouts, is where it starts. And mm-hmm. the Wells novel was written in eighteen ninety seven. It was you know it was meant to be it was meant to be a current thing. So they've mm-hmm. kind of moved it slightly. And I'm not quite sure of the logic in that, but I, I have yeah. my suspicions. It's so they can sort of put it just after the Boer War and they can start referencing kind of the camps. end of empire and colonialism and so on. Okay. And they can have vaguely modern weaponry, right? So I kind of think okay. there's a bunch of things yeah. that, that are going yeah. on there. But she basically plays the narrator role. And the narrator in, in well, it's a long time since I've read the novel, but my recollection is that he either it, it is either a male or we understand it to be a male. Mm. Um, and With it's a moustache. <laughs> I don't remember any reference yeah, to a moustache. No, you have a big, big military, bushy, Kitchener-style moustache. That Probably. Moustache, well, she's got one of those as well, but um, she wears it very well. And, of course she does. Uh, anyway, so the point being that on, on the on the Foxtel, um, you know, Foxtel Now kind of thing, mm-hmm. it, like episode one has got a picture of, I think, of her or whatever it is. Episode two has got a picture of Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> From the, from a completely different series, they've just really? stuffed up. They've just stuffed up. It's like, but it's, it's just one of those things. You go, what? How can that be? Suffice it to say, they have nothing in common no. other than the source. So, so you've watched both. I've right? watched both. Yeah. And uh, what do you say? Well, I've watched five of the episodes of of the SBS series, which is a, an Anglo-French co-production. It's it's which present is, I've day. Watched one of right, and it is it's slow, right? It, it unfolds is. very slowly. It takes place mostly in the the French Alps and near Grenoble, 
and 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 then Grenoble, and and then in uh, Londres as well over in London. Yep. Um, and and then it sort of moves to the French somewhere in the French suburbs, maybe a little bit of Calais in there somewhere. I mean, it sort of it moves around a bit. It's mostly you know England and France. That's that's what we're dealing with. And I'd actually mm-hmm. say probably the bulk of it is in is in England. Um, it's. I think it's pretty good, but it kind of feels mm. to me like they're setting it up for a very, very long multi-series trajectory, yeah. like The Walking Dead. So it's basically. I hate that. I have to say, I've got no interest in that. I want you to well, get it. Don't don't add false leads and string things. Just I, do it, man. I think there's there's interesting stuff in it, definitely. And I think mm-hmm. I mean, but it's like, you know, you don't. I think in the first episode, you probably haven't even had a glimpse of an alien yet, have you? I mean. No, no. So, I, as I say, I've watched five episodes. Or I've do you remember how it ends? Five. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think yeah. it ends in a really, given the times that we live in right now, well, I think the end is amazing and comp- one of those rare times where you can say, "I had no, I completely did not expect that." Yeah, I would have expected it to end in this typical. Um, British way, and it doesn't end like that at all. It's almost like a disappointment for some people, I would think. I think uh, I think it's, it's brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. And and the BBC series, the Eleanor Tomlinson mm-hmm. one, uh, mm-hmm. hoves pretty closely to the okay. um, right. the original trajectory, and and in many respects, it is what you call faithful, except for the revisionism that has gone on there, where you know there is this, you know, we now have a female lead. We have this kind of direct kind of contemplation of the parallels with imperialism and you know mm. this must uh, be what it likes yeah. to be it, what what it must feel like to be on the other end of us you know yeah we go into a country and we wreak havoc and we disrespect the culture and blah 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 so, so it's there a very are a few speeches overt. along that line, well there's a few, there? yeah um okay. well there's one there's one sort of um mm. key moment in it um with with uh, rafe spall who uh who is her partner in 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 this and he suddenly uh contemplates it in those terms um the yeah i mean it's and the martians Mm. we do see in in the bbc one um and i've got to say they're pretty well realized i think Mm -hmm. it's a very the the kind of like they're sort of arachnid like but with three legs and uh they're kind of like when you see aliens in a lot of um you know, a lot of shows, a lot of films, they they can't help but realise them in kind of humanoid form. You know, even even if their faces and they've got weird gills and things, they're still yeah. standing upright on two legs with two arms, and you know, yeah. the, and that that's a natural result of the fact that you've usually got humans inside a latex yeah. suit, right? This like these creatures have no relationship whatsoever to anything we understand as as mm. you know something on this planet really and i think that's great i like that yeah. in the in the sbs one i won't say too much but no. but their robotic form with an organic element mm. and i think that's pretty cool i think yeah. that is a really interesting development um but like i say it it moves slowly and it does feel like they they're trying to set up a multi-season uh trajectory um, and I don't know whether I've got space in my life for another I, end I of times saga that goes on almost as long as the end of times saga we're living. Itself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I didn't think I'd watch another episode, frankly. Oh, I really? Thought, okay. Yeah, I saw that one. I thought, okay, this is where we are. And given that I know what happens anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, Except you, that I reckon that's not what's going to happen here. Yeah, 
good. Uh, I'll just I, and I, I like how you're avoiding the spoiler on on yeah. this uh, yeah. this story, which is only 123 years old. I'm not going to say what happens at the end. I'm really not. <laughs> Even though there's been multiple films, there was the ELO album. I don't know if you recall the chances of anything coming from Mars I, I actually, a million to one. I, I'm I'm going to just I'm just going to indulge and read you the opening sentence of my review of this. You'd think yep. the chances of anything coming from Mars were a million to one. But no, turns out the odds are more like those for London buses. You wait an eternity for one and then two turn up at once. That's good. That's a good opening sentence. The chances of anything coming from Mars are a million to one, he said. The chances of anything coming from Mars are a million to one, but still they come. There have been no good films of Kidnapped, sorry. Uh, they made one with Michael Caine where he was far too old to play Alan Breck and, and it was cheap and, and there was another one that also looks kind of cheap and, and by the numbers, which is fine. Sometimes you just have to be satisfied with the book, unlike War of the Worlds, which has had a million adaptations. The word I was striving for to describe those tasty little rissole meat and onion type thing on the pan, collops. 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 It means sliced meat, but in the context of this uh, novel, they're nice little tasty risoli things on the pan. Mm. Collops. Well, Andrew, it might be time to go off and have myself some collops. I'm going to pop a few collops in my mouth. <laughs> Until next time. Yes. That's it from us, the Clappers. Goodbye. <laughs>